morning I'm going to talk to you on the topic, end zone living. End zone living. First Chronicles chapter 14. We're going to read verses 2, and then we're going to go down to verse number 8 through 11, and then verse number 17. And the Bible says, and David, the quarterback, knew that the Lord had established him as king or quarterback over the Patriots. And that his kingdom, New England, had been highly exalted for the sake of his people, Israel. God's team. Verse number 8. And when the Philistines, I mean the Philadelphia Eagles, heard that David had been anointed king over all of the patriots, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Verse number 9. Now the Philistines, I mean the Philadelphia Eagles, had come and raided the valley of Rephraim. So David inquired of God, shall up, I go up and beat these Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, and I will deliver the Philadelphia Eagles into your hands today. <laughs> and so David, the quarterback, and his men went up to Belperism. Everyone say Belperism. Belperism. The name literally means our God breaks through. Belperism, the place where God breaks through. And there he defeated them, and he said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by his hand. So that place was called Belperism, the place of breakthrough. So David's fame, he won the Super Bowl, spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, so amazed already by your grace and the work that you've done in this room, and just in this little time that we've given to you, thank you that you love us and you love your people so much. Thank you that you're a God who's called us to, be, to live free, to experience everything that you have for us today. Lord, I just bless today. I speak your blessing in your life. I, I pray for every person here today that they'll have a spiritual ear to hear. Not my words, but my words will become your words in the ears and the hearts of those who hear. And we thank you today for your grace that's so amazing. And God be with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Come on, don't be a hater today. Don't be a hater. Haters going to hate. You know why you hate them? Because they're going to win five Super Bowls, right? Brady's, oh, six. Oh, I'm already, I'm already a year behind. That's right. They won last year, right? That was number five, man. Some of you guys keep me honest here, aren't you? So here's the deal. Facts inform, but stories tell. I want to get, uh, but stories have the potential to transform. I want to give you a few facts today about the Super Bowl. Maybe you didn't know this. Maybe you did. But tonight, 110 million people are going to watch the commercials. I mean, watch the Super Bowl tonight. Over 1 million people, 1.1 million people will swarm into Minneapolis carrying the flu. They call it the flu bowl this year. <laughs> Only 16% of Americans actually want to see Tom Brady win his sixth Super Bowl. $15 billion in revenue will be generated. Ticket prices range from $3,500 to $175,000. Here's the, here's the real important statistics you got to know uh, tonight. 1.5 billion chicken wings will be eaten. Four chicken wings for every man, woman, child in America today. 140 million pounds of avocados will be consumed and destroyed. <laughs> and finally... The average American will eat 2,000 calories 
2,000 calories at tonight's Super Bowl game. The Super Bowl game is the biggest game in our country, in our culture. The biggest sporting event in the world is actually the world soccer, uh, the, the world soccer game, which has over a billion people. But in our country, in our nation, the American population, the people that watch football, it's the biggest game. Now, all the stats and all the figures and all the television hype and all that can really be boiled down to this simple thing. This simple thing. Two teams. Somebody hold one of those little Nerf footballs. How many of you got your Nerf football on your kit? One football and an end zone. That's it. Two teams, one ball, and an end zone. And the goal, the purpose, is to get that ball into the end zone. And preferably as many times as you possibly can. That's the goal. And, and the team that gets the ball into the end zone, the most times, they win. And tonight, the team that scores the most points, however they do it, through a safety, through a field goal, through a pass, through a rush, through an interception, run back, however they do it, the team that gets the ball into the end zone, their end zone, the most times, they're going to be Super Bowl champions. For another year, they're going to keep the trophy. They're going to carry the Vince Lombardi trophy. But here's the thing. Every single person on that winning team had one goal. That was the end zone. The coaches, the players, the people that served, the, the players, the, the medics, the, all the people, the doctors, the team physicians, every person involved in making the game happen tonight had one goal in mind, living for the end zone. And that's what God has called you and I to do just in a spiritual way. You know, when we look at the life of David, David, uh, he, he, he's, he's probably one of the most famous people in all of Scripture. If you were to go to Israel today, there is a hotel. Just think of this. David lived 3,000 years ago. There's still a hotel named after him. It's called the King David Hotel. Sometimes we talk about David and we, we think about his failures and his faults and his foibles and the mistakes that he made. And we recognize that David wasn't a perfect man, but David was God's man. David was God's man. David believed. He believed. See, David, he knew God. David knew God, and because he knew God, there was a desire for him and for the people to be free. See, as king, his goal was to take the people into the end zone, the promised land, the purpose that God had for Israel and his people. Now, I don't know why God chose Israel. I don't know why they were the most prized of God's human people on planet Earth during King David's day. But the fact is, God did. The Bible gives us some indication that God says, I chose you not because you're great, not because you're the fastest, smartest, biggest, most intelligent. I chose you so that my glory could be made known in all the world. So David was a man who lived for freedom. He was a man who lived out his purpose. He, As becoming king, he discovered that he had a, a purpose in life. He, he discovered that, that his, his kingship enabled him to do things to help other people get to where they were supposed to be. It wasn't just about David. It was about David making a, a difference in his generation. I believe here at City Church, the knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose, make a difference, isn't just the plan for David's life. It's the plan for every single person in our community, our county, our country, our nation, and our world. God loves people today. God loves people today. His grace is indescribable. It's unbelievable. His love is unfathomable. God loves people today. He's not willing that anyone should perish. 
as we look at the life of David today, David was a man who lived for the end zone. Now, football is played in quarters and in downs, right? You got four quarters, and hopefully they get the game accomplished. And if you don't get it done in four quarters, you get what? Overtime. Now, we're just going to keep the analogy straight here. Keep it tight. There's four quarters, and they have four downs to get a first down or to get a touchdown. David's first quarter. David's first quarter is found in verse number two. The Bible says that David knew God. In order for us to know God, we must suit up on God's team. In order for us to understand our purpose, we we must suit up on God's team. Look at verse number two with me. The Bible says, and David knew, everyone say knew, that the Lord had established him as king. David knew God. David knew God. David had encounters with God. David loved God. David, as the quarterback of the children of Israel, knew his place and his position. Peter says it like this. You see, David knew that that he was anointed by God. He was called by God to be king. And in the Old Testament, God would come upon specific people, specific offices. The prophet, the priest, and the king would all receive a divine enablement to accomplish the mission for which God called them. But fast forward. The cross, the resurrection, the life of Jesus. The anointing of God wasn't just for a few chosen. It was now for all God's people. First Peter says it like this. You were, you were what? Come on, go back verse 9 for me. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse number 10. Once you had no identity as God's people. Now you are God's people. You're on God's team. You see, before Christ, you didn't really have an identity. Oh, you, you might have had a profession or a career. You might have been married or a father. You might have been a student. You might have been a child. But you really didn't understand who you were. But the moment you come to know God, you understand you have a new identity. David started off in the fields as a shepherd. And because of God's grace, because of God's grace, he was able to kill a bear and a lion with his bare hands. At the age of 17, he would would find himself at the front line of a skirmish, of a battle between the Philistines, who were were Israelites' reoccurring enemy, and, and the children of Israel. And no one else would step up to take down the giant Goliath. But this 17-year-old boy had something stirred up inside of him. He had greatness inside of him. And he said, listen, I'll take that giant out. And at the age of 17, David, by the hand, by God's hand, was able to take a sword and actually take a, and chop off the head of that great big Goliath. See, David went from being a shepherd boy to a soldier. But eventually, he would step into his, de- into his destiny as God's servant king. David knew that he was a child of God. David knew that he was a child of God. Peter, uh, Paul the apostle, says it like this. Paul says that we, uh, our father declares this and says this over us. You shall be my sons and my daughters. The moment you step into that reality that God loves you, that God forgives you, that you have a new identity through the person of our Savior Jesus, you're now God's child. You're his child. You're his favorite. Say, I'm God's favorite. favorite. You're God's favorite. He loves you today. Not only did God 
called us to be his children. He's also called us to be his ministers. Paul the apostle wrote to the church at Corinth again. He said, all this is from God. The resurrection, the power of the cross, the changed life, the new believer. All this is from God. This new identity who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, we're called by God to be his ministers. Everyone say, I am a minister of Jesus Christ. You're a minister today. Well, I'm not, I, don't have a, I don't have a microphone. I, I, I don't stand up and talk to people like you do. No, no, no. No, we are all. The moment that we know God lives and dwells in us, the moment we have that revelation and that understanding, we now become his minister. Everything in David's life was preparation for being on God's team and leading God's team. Everything in David's life was about living for the end zone. So the first quarter, we must suit up for the team. The second quarter, we must be willing to fight our opposition. We must be willing to fight our opposition. This speaks to our freedom today. In verse number 8, the Bible says, When the Philistines, I mean the Philadelphia Eagles, heard that David had been anointed quarterback over all of God's team, they went up in full force to search for him. You see, David's enemies, the Philistines, would be a reoccurring issue. They'd be a reoccurring complicated problem, not only for David, but for the children of Israel for years and generations to come. They went up full force. You see, you have a real live enemy today. Now, those were natural battles. We understand the Old Testament is a natural example of a spiritual reality that you and I walk in and live in today. We have a real live enemy. We have real live opposition. But our battle now is not flesh and blood. It's not nationalities. It's not nations. It's not other people. It's not the Republicans. It's not the Democrats. It's not people today. We have a real live spiritual enemy today. His name is Satan. First Peter says it like this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be glued. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Satan has, hates you and has a terrible plan for your life. He's come to kill, steal, and to destroy. Oh, so many times we get this thing all wrong. We, we think our enemies, we think our enemies are people or ideologies or philosophies. They can be, they can be in the natural. But ultimately, our enemy, our greatest enemy is Satan himself, Lucifer. The demonic forces that have been unleashed on planet earth for whatever reason to bring destruction to God's people. The only way, the only way that the enemy's opposition is defeated if God's people are willing to stand up and fight. Not with natural weapons, not with bombs and bullets and guns, but with the love of God and the cross of the Lord Jesus and the message of resurrection for this generation. See, we must be willing to fight our opposition. Paul the Apostle said, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight for the true faith. There is a truth today. There's a true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Our second quarter, we must understand that we are in a battle. We are in a fight. We have real live opposition today. The Bible says in verse number 9, Now the Philistines had come and had raided the valley of Ephraim. 
The, the valley of Rephraim was the place of the giants. It's where Goliath had come from. And they'd come up and they'd raided this land. In verse 13, the Bible says that they came back and they raided the valley again. They didn't fight fair. They had unsportsmanship-like conduct. They, 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 they fouled. They, they penalized the passer. They rushed him. They crushed him. They wanted to destroy his life. But David knew that he couldn't fight this battle on his own. David knew that he was no match on his own for the enemy. And the Bible says in verse number 10 that David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. God, shall I go up and attack these Philistines? God, shall I go up and fight this battle? See, the way that we fight today, the way that we fight today is through prayer and through the word. Through prayer and in the word. David just didn't assume that he was going to beat this giant. Yeah, I killed him when I was 17, but God, I need to know. God, are you going to give me victory? Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. God's just looking for someone who will stand up and ask. Someone who will pray big, hairy, audacious prayers. Audacious prayers. Someone will believe that God is still at work in the lives and the hearts of his people. And David inquired of the Lord. He asked for a very specific answer. And God said to him, God said to David, I will deliver them into your hands. Now here's the deal. We pray. We pray as Christ followers, and many times we don't see things take place right away. I mean, we'll pray. We're, we're asking God for do something. And I, as a matter of fact, I was talking to someone this week, and they said, I give up. They actually, they were standing in the parking lot, and they said, I give up. I prayed, and God doesn't answer my prayers. I quit. I don't believe that any longer. I'm like, wow. Wow, that, I'm so sorry. I, I, I love you. I pray that you really don't mean those words. See, here's the deal. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait. But when the timing is right, God will say go. Bill Hybels, Bill Hybels, pastor of one of the great churches of America. Bill Hybels said this, if the request is wrong, God says no. Sometimes we're praying for things and we're not praying for the right thing. Uh, we, go to the, we go down to the 7-Eleven and we buy a stack of lottery tickets. Just saying. God says, ain't going to happen. God says, no. If the timing is wrong, God says, slow. Wait. Wait on me. If you're wrong, God, but if you are wrong, if you are right, if you are right, the timing is right, God says grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. Go. It was time to go. It was the time to fight this spiritual battle. It was time for David and the children of Israel to step into their destiny. I actually got this from Dr. Joel Hunter. I didn't know that you were going to be here this morning, but Dr. Joel Hunter wrote an article a couple of years ago for Ministry Magazine. And it said the times that God says yes to your prayers. And he listed five of them, five things that God said. I wrote four of them here. Number one, when we ask for forgiveness. When we ask for forgiveness, God forgives us every time. 
When we ask for boldness to be a witness in his name, God always answers that prayer. When we ask for wisdom, spiritual wisdom, the Bible says that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all people liberally. God's not frustrated today that you have a problem. God wants to help you solve that problem. God wants to walk with you through that challenge so that you can grow, become more like him. And when we ask for God to use us and to bring glory to his name, God always says yes. Always says yes. You know, when we were on the journey, on the journey of City Church 18 years ago, we were meeting in a movie theater. We're meeting in a movie theater, and, and I got to tell you, there were some great things that happened during that time, but there were some really challenging things. We went from one theater, and they tore that theater down, and, and we went into another movie theater. And I remember the very first Sunday in the second movie theater that we were in. It was a difficult time in our life. My wife had been diagnosed with, can with breast cancer just a few months before that, and the building that we were in was, was taken away. They actually destroyed it, and, and they built another movie theater there. And I just I felt so, so discouraged in my faith. And, and I remember I, I walked into the theater where we were going to be having our, our first service in the second, in the second theater, and the, the title of the movie that was showing in, in that theater that day was Clint Eastwood's movie, Unforgiven. I was just not feeling good about life. I said, God, why? So difficult, so challenging. I remember I was standing in the parking lot of SunTrust at the Altamont Mall, and I called a pastor, a local pastor in our community, Pastor Carl Stevens of Faith Assembly. At that time, he'd already been serving there for 25 years. And I said, Pastor Carl, how do you do it? I mean, how do you keep showing up with all the challenges? And I mean, how do you do it? And just said these words to me so simply. Eugene, I don't know. But one thing I got to tell you is just keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep seeking. Keep fighting. Don't quit. Don't give up on God. David inquired of the Lord. He was willing to fight. He was willing to press through. He was willing to believe God for victory. The third quarter. We must grow in God to experience breakthrough. We must grow in God to experience great breakthrough. In verse number 11, look what the Bible says. So David and his men went up to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. And he said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim, the place of breakthrough. The place of breakthrough. What I want you to see here is that David and his men went up to Belperazim. David didn't fight the spiritual journey. David didn't fight this enemy on his own. He had other people, other champions, other people who were like-minded, who stood alongside of him, who believed that God would give them the victory under the leadership of David the king. You can't go alone today and think that you're going to win, to think that you're going to experience end zone living in God. Do you know how many people claim to be Christ followers and don't attend church? They've been discouraged and disappointed and leaders have let them down and they've had the wrong focus or been distracted by the cares of this world and the things of life and they've gotten off track. And they're no longer living for the end zone. They're living for their paycheck. They're living for the moment. They're not living for God's purposes and plans. But today if you want desire to experience breakthrough, you must grow in God. David knew this. David understood this. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. 
God had spoken to David to go. God had promised David that he would have the victory. God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to be victorious, to experience breakthrough. One of the indicators that you are growing in God is that you are experiencing breakthroughs. You, you, you don't get it all figured out in one fell swoop. I mean, this is a journey. This is a lifelong process. But you are growing in God and you're understanding that he is the one who gives you freedom. He is the one that delivers you from addictions. He is the one who restores your marriage. He's the one who brings healing to your life. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says it like this. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. David had an assignment. David's assignment was to take the children of Israel, to take the children of Israel and go into Jerusalem, to make that a place where the people of God, the holy city, where they would worship their king, they would worship their God. See, David understood the power of prayer. He understood the power of inquiring of God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Therefore, let us draw near to God with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When the hour is dark and the problems seem great, you have this today. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, ask anything in accordance with his will, he will do it. David had a confidence. He had a confidence in God. He knew that God was with him. He was growing in his relationship. He, he came to the place of Belperism, the place of breakthrough. The place of breakthrough. Breakthroughs are a significant or a sudden advance, advance or development. A military offense that penetrates an enemy's line of defense. A major achievement or success that permits further progress. Tonight, two teams, they're going to be playing for everything within them to break through the opposition's line, to get a sudden advancement, to penetrate the enemy's line of defense, to make an achievement or success that permits further progress in their game. Tonight, God's called you and I to be people of breakthrough. A breakthrough moment in a time when the impossible seems possible. When something happens that shapes you, shapes you, that moves you into a new level. You know what I love about David? Is that David actually named his breakthrough. He named it. Yeah, it was in the valley. It was in the valley. But he gave it a name. The place where God breaks through my enemy's gates. The place where like a rushing water, God breaks through. The prophet Zechariah says, it's not by my might nor my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, he is the God who gives us breakthrough. When the enemy comes in like a flood, like a flood, the spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. Let me tell you, the God that you and I serve today is the God of breakthrough. God did it for David. God will do it for you. God will do it for Tom Prady and the New England Patriots tonight. God named his breakthrough. Some of you tonight, today are struggling in your finances. You're struggling. You got debt over your eyeballs. You've rubbed two pennies so long together that Abraham Lincoln is imprinted on your thumb. Today, you need to declare, 
God, the God of breakthroughs, the God who's called me to live debt-free. Some of you in this room, you've been struggling with addictions for far too long. Yes, you're a Christ follower. Yes, you love God, but you find yourself falling back again and again. Today, you need to call the God of breakthrough. You need to say what God says about it. The God said that you are delivered. You are set free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You got to name your breakthrough. Today, you're set free. Some of your marriages, relationships have gone askew. Today, you're going to name that marriage restored. Name that marriage restored. You got physical sickness in your body. Today, you're naming that, you're naming that declaration, that breakthrough. I am healed. David named his breakthrough the place where God breaks through. God wants to break through on your behalf today. God's a breakthrough God. He's a touchdown God. He's an end zone living God. David had his eye on the goal. And in the fourth quarter, David played to win the game. In the fourth quarter, David played to win the game. The Bible says that when the enemy came back, David prayed again. He prayed big, hairy, audacious goals. And when God answered him, he simply took God at his word. We make it far too complicated. We make it far too complicated. God rewards simplicity of faith. We love education. We're grateful for knowledge. But there's a lot of people that have a not, lot of knowledge about God, but don't really know the God who desires to bring breakthrough in their life. David just simply obeyed. Obey. When I was a boy, we sang a song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Trust God. The, the enemy seems so strong. The hour seems so dark and so long. God says, trust me. God, will you give me victory? God says, David, go up. I will give you victory. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. David just kept showing up. He kept showing up. Because he kept showing up. Verse number 17, I want you to see this. Verse number 17. So David's fame, he won the Super Bowl. He made it to the end zone. He carried the trophy. David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. The Bible says that David served the purposes of God in his generation, and he got it. He made it to the end zone. His failures, his faults, his foibles, the things that we love to bring up because we're self-righteous and we want to compare ourselves to someone else. No, 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 no. That's not what God did. This is New Testament, New Covenant, post the cross, post the resurrection. The Bible says that David served the purposes of God. He made it to the end zone. He made a difference. David knew God. He found freedom as he hung out with people who were like-minded and believed like him. He went to growth track next Sunday night at 530. He got on the dream team. Come on, he got on the dream team. And he started to live his life to make a difference. 3,000 years later, David wasn't a perfect man, but he was God's man. I'm not a perfect man, but I said, God, I want to serve you and make a difference in my generation. 
What about you today? What about you today? So what does this mean to us? What do we do with this today? What do we do with this today? Here's a challenge. Do you really know God? Do you really have a personal relationship with him? The Bible says that Abraham knew God in such a special way that he was called a friend of God. A friend. A friend. A friend of God. Not a perfect man, but God's man. Do you really know God? Do you have a personal relationship? Do you know today that you're forgiven? Do you know that you're his child? Do you know that he cares about you? He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to grow in the knowledge and the understanding of who he is and his ways and his purposes. We'll never fully exhaust it. We'll never fully understand all of his ways. But we can keep serving. We can keep making a difference. I want you to close your eyes. Just a moment, the worship team is going to lead us, and we're going to finish in a moment of worship and praise. But I'm being serious today. All along the journey of your life, you're going to have opportunities. David lived for the ends alone. David experienced breakthroughs in his life because he had the right focus. He had the right focus. He prayed and he obeyed. It's simple. He prayed, he asked God, and he was willing to do everything that God asked him to do. You're here in this room. You're a Christ follower. You're a Christ follower today. You know God, but you've been struggling in every life. God's saying to you today, I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give you victory. I'm with you. Don't quit. I have a purpose in this. I'm working all things together for your good and ultimately for my glory. I'm working all things together for your, your good, but ultimately my glory. I'm here today, I encourage you. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep growing in God. Keep seeking. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't quit today. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to serve your generation. And then you will die. But if we die serving the Lord, we'll end up, we'll end up proclaiming and living the promise. I landed in the end zone of God's glory. You're here today. God's speaking to your life. You got distracted. God's calling you back to his team. God's calling you back to the purpose for which he created you. If you're in this room today, you know God is speaking to you right now. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you in just a moment. You know today you've gotten distracted. You've gotten your eye off the end zone. And God's calling you back to that right focus and that right perspective. If that's you right now in this room, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on in this room right now. All across this room. All across this room. End zone living. Amen. Father, you see every hand of every person that's raised in this room. God, I, you, you've touched their hearts today. God, there's something in them that's asking and they're calling out to you. I thank you that you are the God. You are the God today. Calls your people to experience freedom. To live a life of breakthrough to make a difference in their generation. God, touch them, forgive them, heal them, restore them today. In Jesus' wonderful and mighty name, and all of God's people say, amen. Can you put-